0: Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Tuesday the 18th of July, a little overcast here in TW11 today, but pleasantly warm, not as uncomfortably hot as it is throughout Europe. Actually, really rather pleasant, as I'm sure it is in Ireland, where I find Jane Mangan just five days out from the Irish Oaks, which takes place this Saturday. Another big race, another big weekend, another classic, Jane. Your thoughts on it at this stage, however?
1: I would hope and I would pray that when we have a final field, maybe after confirmations this afternoon, that something or somebody is going to take on Aidan O'Brien, with the exception of Joseph, who might run Lumiere Rockefeller, that was second at Ascot. We're looking like a similar race to the Derby, where Aidan saddled the first four home and Joseph had the fifth, because the top horse, save the last dance, she's your obvious favourite second, at, uh, in Epsom an impressive winner at Chester Warm Heart the Ribblesdale winner she was brilliant at Ascot it might not be that straightforward uh, choice for Ryan Moore between the two and Aidan has indicated he's likely to run Be Happy as well they're the standouts I would. where is the, the cross-channel competition is there anybody going to take on Team Ballydoyle?
0: alright we are looking for a challenger uh, to, to Aidan O'Brien in the Irish Oaks I think we found one step forward Rafe Beckett with Blue Stocking you're going aren't you Rafe
2: yeah she'll run yeah, she's in good shape. Happy with
0: her. Excellent. Um, and that Ascot run, you must have watched it a few times. What do you make of it in the round and how hopeful are you you can get the better of the winner?
2: We well, are pretty close to the winner at, at Lingfield when she was only just ready. I, didn't, I, th- I think, you know, we were sort of stuck down on the fence at Ascot and in behind and didn't really get uh, get a chance to get her into full, sw- into full swing. I, we didn't feel until it was all over. Um, I think Frankie definitely felt that. So, um, yeah, she's, she's she's. I think, you know, she looks great. I'm very happy with her. Um, and so we go and Colin Keane will ride. Uh,
0: and this is a, a tried and tested formula. Juddmont, Rafe Beckett, Colin Keane, Irish classic. It sounds easy, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, if only it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, do, do you think she is a filly who, um, as the season progresses, is going to make up into a filly who who wants even further than a mile and a half, and maybe be a ledger filly? Or do you see this as her optimum?
2: Difficult that one. Um, we're, we're we're putting her in the ledger. I think this weekend will tell us a lot. In all likelihood, I think we'll find out a good deal this weekend. She's dissimilar to Simple Verse, and I in that she's. Always shown a bit more, for example. So I'm hoping that, um, I'm, like I said, I'm hoping we find out this weekend.
0: Uh, and Westover bashing onto the King George.
2: At the moment, he's in good shape. Yes, and at the moment, he, he, we're, uh, we're, we'll leave him in at the confirmation stage and then work it out from there. But yeah, he's in. He's in good form.
0: All right. Well, there you go, Jane. Rafe Beckett. As I said, simple, isn't it? Judmont, Beckett, Keane, Irish, classic. They did it with Westover. They're going to do it again with with Blue Stocking. Why not?
1: Why not? She actually looked like she lacked a little bit of tactical pace on the real quick round at Ascot. And she finished to really good effect. I would see her passing Lumiere Rock. I could see her doing that. I could see her getting a lot closer to warm heart on this occasion. And I think i'm glad they're up for the challenge they've booked a champion jockey and british raiders have such a good record in this race it's very easy to get lost in the cura. oh it's hard to beat coolmore well jessica did it last year with a coolmore homebred called magical lagoon a couple of years ago star catcher sprung a surprise for john hang hang on is that
0: does that count as beating coolmore jessica did it with a coolmore homebred i'm not sure that does does it
1: well, actually, then you go to back two two years <laughs> before that. Jer Lyons did it for <laughs> Sue Magner. So, exactly. yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But <laughs> at the same time, you have John Gosden, you have William Haggis. John Goss did it with Enable, of course, and Hugo Palmer back with Covert Love in 2015. Yeah. Pat Smullen. Alan anderoy De Parade did it with Chiquita, the only race she ever won. Great heavens did it in 2012 before Snow Fairy and Sariska. It can be done. I know they're all good names, but sometimes you would hope that the UK have good horses and that they'll bring them across. I was disappointed Soul Sister went to France, but I'm glad Blue Stocking is coming to Ireland.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing you know about Rafe Beckett, he's never going to be frightened of anything or anybody or any race or any set of circumstances. I, did, I enjoyed his um, rye... If only if it was that easy at the end of that interview, because the the whole uh, Beckett, Judmont, Colin Keane, that whole jockey booking thing is a sort of a bit of the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? But I, I, this is a this is a a system that has worked in at the Curra before.
1: It has now. In saying that, you know, Westover on the day in the Irish Derby was a pretty much a steering job, and um, this will be uh, a little bit different because she's not going to be uh, top of the market. But look. Judmont have their their preference. Collins the champion here, and I can see why they're going in that direction. Uh then we must mention Jessica Harrington could have a couple of contenders. Would Sands of Heaven go up to a mile and a half? The Coronation uh third, Village Voice ran in the Ribblesdale, she ran okay. Azazat is one that I wouldn't overlook for the Aga Khan and Dermot Weld. Dermot Weld hasn't won this race since 1996. Dance Design and Michael Canan in 1996. She's a good filly. She was second in the Munster Oaks to Ross Carberry last time. Ross Carberry obviously being an older filly. And I wouldn't, you know, Joseph O'Brien Lumiere rock ran well at Ascot. She shouldn't be dismissed. But it is a classic. We're getting to the end of the classics now. And I was fearing all last week that it wouldn't be a deep affair. Uh, I was kind of hoping that there might be something come in left field. So I am glad we have a little bit of cross-channel interest, albeit it's not uh, Alasif or indeed uh, the Epsom Oaks winner.
0: Well, as we're discussing the Irish Oaks, I did, I did wonder about the possibility of Sefa. Uh, you remember her? She bolted up in her first couple of starts, including a stakes race at Goodwood and then disappointed at Royal Ascot. I wonder whether she might be a, a late entry to the race. So I thought, well, I'll ring Angus Gold, Shadwell's uh, racing manager and see if uh, that that's on the agenda I suspected it probably isn't on the agenda Angus
3: No sadly Nick um, uh, just timing wise uh, as everybody saw she ran a bit flat at Ascot uh, look, it's all opinions my opinion she ran a bit flat the two things she did at Goodwood um, she quickened and she ran right through the line and she did neither at Ascot Um, you know we knew it was a bit quick back and she didn't show any outward signs but uh, even if she you know various people saying she got stuck wide at Ascot and what have you but none of that in my opinion made any difference she never picked up and and she didn't finish off her race Um, and a lot of clever people again saying why she didn't stay but she wouldn't have wanted it a mile and a quarter you know she wasn't going anywhere at that stage so i can't have that as the reason for her not winning so we've just left her alone john she's been turning out for a couple of hours every day and just give her a bit of downtime and and put her weight back on and we'll just start building her back up again now
0: Okay, so we'll see her in the in the autumn sometime, I guess. We're going to see Hookham a little more a little more uh, imminently in the in the King George with a slightly unsettled weather forecast. Uh, are you are you quite happy with him?
3: Yeah, I think um, Jim rode him last week and was really really happy with his work. Uh, said he gave him a lovely feel, and Erin's been pleased with him since. Um, Hardly dare breathe it in case the horse no. hears it and goes wrong, but uh you know, so far Touchwood, he's been good. He's gonna give him a little bit of work tomorrow, I believe. Um and then we just gotta hope we get a, a little bit of
0: this rain that could could be around. And Owen Burrows has had great success for Shadwell in the last couple of years at Group 1 level as well, Hookham, Minzal, Anmart, but it's fair to say he's had his fair share of bad luck as well and you're telling me that it's not great, the, the news on, on Anmart. We thought it was a, a bit of pus in his foot before the eclipse, but you're saying it's it's something a bit more serious than that?
3: Yeah, he suddenly he did his last bit of work before the eclipse and everything was on track and um, the next morning he was suddenly a bit off and, and Owen said it looks like a foot abscess, a classic foot abscess and we battled it for a couple of days waiting for it to burst out uh, and nothing ever did and then he got lamer uh, after the decision was made not to run him which was a bit weird um, and again we, we sort of gave him a bit of time thinking something would pop out. Anyway, I cut a long story short, um, just last night I heard that that he has, uh, basically there's been a, he has a significant cartilage defect at the back of his coffin joint and they've now found there's a small fracture fragment in there off the back of the pedal bone um, and the, the worst bit of biting is that it's in a place that they can't access to remove it. Uh, so we've slightly got to let nature take its course and and just see i think if i've understood it correctly the best thing that could happen is it reabsorbs that fracture fragment over time um and that he comes on on his own but obviously it needs to go the right way now uh you know and this is a long-term thing i mean he certainly I would say he's out for this season, probably. Uh, and I just hope we can get him back at some stage. But it, but it, unfortunately, it's much worse than we first imagined.
0: Oh, that is a, such a shame. I'll keep our fingers crossed for, for a recovery uh, for, for Anmart, but but unlikely to be seen this season. The colours, the blue and white colours, will be in action this weekend, Angus. It looks as though you've got uh, quite a few runners, potentially, at Newbury. Eras in the Hackwood, al Azi in the Steventon, Are they, are they both intended runners?
3: Uh, yes I think al i uh, haven't spoken to William since he made the entry but, but I believe that's the plan for him um, obviously uh, needs to lift on what he did the other day first run back after a layoff so hopefully he'll he'll come on for that um, and you know they haven't lost faith in him at home so let's hope he can show what he's capable of. And whereas he's had a stop start campaign again. This year he's only had the one run, I think, um that early in the spring, uh, when he actually ran all right at, at Doncaster. Um, had a bit of a hold up since some sort of unspecified lameness, but he seems back and Richard's happy with him working how he's working. So I think he's keen to get him back on the track.
0: And all all systems go for the Judmont with Mostodaf?
3: Yeah, touch wood. Again, we, we you know given him a bit of downtime as everybody's heard already. He seems to be a horse who's best fresh. So um, John and Fady and the team, there's, there's no better team to get a horse there primed for the day. And, and as we saw when we travelled him this winter, you know, he's very good off the back of a break. So uh, if we could get him to York in the same form he was at Ascot, I think we'd we'd go there with a good chance.
0: And finally, Angus, Alhusen's form is starting to look better and better and better, particularly in light of the the victory in the Falmouth Stakes of Nashua, who she beat at at Newcastle. I know it's folly to take that literally, but are you inclined to press forward to the Nassau Stakes with Alhusen? On
3: the face (laughs) of it, yes, Nick. Um, Obviously, you know, every day... I listen to your podcast and you read the paper and there's somebody else turning up with another crack and it was fantastic to see Nashua come out and win so well at Newmarket last week. That was much more than Nashua everybody saw last year. Um, So I'm not going to say, you know, we we go there with a good chance. Uh, I think there's some very good fillies. Christopher Head's filly and... um, Uh, among others, so uh, look, I need to speak to obviously to Roger Varian, and see how she is and to Sheikha Hessa and and just see do we want to sort of keep her a a notch below that or do we want to have a go at the best, she's now a dual stakes winner this year she's as tough as as they come um you know it'd be lovely to have a crack at a big one with her just as we as Roger said to me the other day to be honest we don't really know how good she is because we've always imagined she was below the best but she keeps coming out and doing it so uh, we might have a go at it
0: well Angus Gold there and uh, sometimes you you call somebody up and you get more than you bargain for but not necessarily in a good way and and that's us uh, really crappy news about um and Mark Jane, and he, as I said, Owen Burrows has had loads of success for Shadwell, but has had a fair old slug of bad luck into the bargain.
1: He really has, particularly with his top horses. We remember uh, Hookham um, and, and, and a number of contenders, but this this fella has just progressed and progressed and progressed. He's a gelding, so a lot of people thinking, "Oh, would he be able to to have a future at stud?" He doesn't have that option. He's the five year old that just continued to progress up until. Probably the the career best he did in the pre dispahan last time when he beat Light Inventory. Uh, Anything to do with the foot, the foot capsule inside the hoof is real intricate. You can imagine how many bones you have in your foot. We'll then put a a hoof capsule around that and try to access it uh, in an an animal, which is basically over half a ton. Um, That is when you get into pedal bones, coffin bones, um, any kind of a ligament in the foot, it's really, really tough. So I can imagine their frustration at not being able to, number one, put the horse at ease if he is in, in pain, and two, having to make a decision like this when he seems to be in the prime of his life.
0: Okay. And on a more positive note, Hookham does um, bash onto the King George and so does Westover, according to Rafe Beckett. So we're starting to look like a quite a, a foolish King George, aren't we? Um, I'm sure Aiden's going to run Adelaide River and maybe one or two others. Um, we know about Hookham. We know that Emily Upjohn is a, a likely starter, Westover as well. It's just beginning to build quite nicely. We heard about Pile Driver yesterday, the defending champion.
1: Yeah, this is um, turning into a very good race, not uh, a King George where we've had three or four runners uh, a few years ago. Look, when you have King of Steel and uh, potentially Adelaide River taking on the Olders, that's kind of what you want. You want the blend of generations to see where they all stand. Uh, you want the mare in against the Colts um, and Pile Driver probably the horse that will come in under the radar again. Despite having won at ascot and despite being the reigning champion of the race i'd love to see luxembourg in the race up to a mile and a half um i think he's maybe capable of putting up a career best performance at that distance and uh yeah it it looks like it's shaping up into a very good race i i would say the, the oaks is at risk of getting overlooked by it um so i don't want to go concentrating on it yet but king of steel is the one i'm really looking forward to seeing uh, up to that distance, taking on those cyber horses.
0: Definitely. Um, Rafe Beckett was mentioning um, that he has got runners at Newbury this weekend, and, and Angus Gold likewise. One of Beckett's runners at Newbury will be Lazoo, owned by Mark Chan, and that will be the reappearance of a certain Frankie de who's um, been off with suspension for a couple of weeks. He will be back at Newbury Saturday to ride Lazoo. He's at his um, daughter Mia's graduation today in Newcastle, he was telling me. So, Um, He is back. What did you make of the the split with with his long-term manager, Jane? Do you think that'll make any difference to the man on the Clapham omnibus or not?
1: Um, I... I met Peter at the at Royal Ascot. Um obviously he's been a huge part of his team for all of his career so I thought it was very funny timing to do it in the middle of his final season particularly when he's been uh, the sculptor to basically shape his his career and particularly this final furore, uh, this final um swan song here so I, I thought it was strange timing but i personally don't really care if frankie can ride to the best of his ability without peter burl then that's all that matters
0: now jane i don't want to rake over old ground obviously and we talked a lot about the the weekend's action yesterday but how's our how's our side bet coming along
1: yeah you're going well anyway so just for anybody who doesn't listen uh to to us or doesn't care Um, City of Troy and Lang Lang we have a bet. Nick wants or Nick is on that City of Troy win a group one before Lang Lang, Lang Lang is the filly that won uh, Maiden on Derby weekend at the Curra and of course City of Troy ran through the whiteboards the same day or the same weekend Uh, you have now won a group two and are the top rated two year old in training by time form, Uh, I think the highest rated superlative winner ever and uh, I still have won a Maiden so I'm just going to type in which race comes first on Champions Weekend at the Curra? Is it the yeah. Moigler or is it the National Stakes?
0: Yeah, but here's the other thing. So where you've got a massive advantage is that Elang Elang also has an entry in the Phoenix Stakes. Now, you wouldn't think of that, obviously, would you? Because she's a filly. But she's got the entry, and that comes, that comes a full month before Irish Champions Weekend. So... You've got you've got a shot. You've got a shot. I have
1: have half a chance. And you know what else I have? I have if she doesn't run in the Phoenix, I run thirty minutes before you. If she runs in the Moigler, I run (laughs) thirty minutes before you uh, on Champions Weekend. On the Sunday, September tenth at the Cura, National Stakes is at three twenty five, Moigler is at two fifty five. So I still have a chance. Anybody know anything about Lang Lang? How is she doing? How's my bet? prospects going uh but i did laugh when your guy um at, like when he hit the front i was thinking okay he's a good horse and then when he crossed the line i was thinking oh god i might i might be buying nick dinner yet
0: uh do you know the way these things pan out i know you'll beat me by half an hour and you'll scramble home by a short head and city of will majestically win the national <laughs> by a dozen lengths and then we'll go back uh-
1: He's good. And I saw somewhere, uh, I think Tom Magner tweeted online that Justify has touched down in the Southern Hemisphere where he's going to be crowned champion first season sire. So it all seems to be happening for Justify right now after the Philly was so good in France as well. And um, yeah, the season's shaping up nicely, but I would hope the cura will this weekend warm our souls. Hopefully the wind will stay away and we'll attract a few people through the gates because... Um, it is a classic after all, and I'm I'm trying to, to, you know, get get a little bit excited about it. But all I can hear online and see online is the promotion of the Galway races, and I'm thinking, God, that 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 gets everybody excited. What well, what are we missing?
0: All right, Jane. Well, your wish is my command. Here is Tom Magna, um, Coolmore Australia. Uh, Tom justifies literally just touchdown, down. Yeah.
4: Yeah, uh, he arrived uh, into Melbourne this evening, obviously a long, a long trip from uh, from Coomore, America, but he's done it uh, a few times, and yeah, he's tripped. the lads are very happy with the way he travels, so it's obviously winter time uh, down here, but uh, the winters aren't too bad, as you know, so listen, he, he'll have a couple of weeks off, and he'll start covering mares on the 1st of September.
0: Um, the the importance of what happened over the weekend is hardly going to be going to be lost on you. Uh, how how satisfying was watching an American Triple Crown winner sire perhaps the two best juveniles in Europe this season in one weekend?
4: It's so exciting. Um, obviously, uh, Dad and you know Derek and and Michael Paber and everybody have had have held this horse uh, in in high regard from day one, and he got tremendous support, but. Um, yeah, Dad has has had a thing about this stallion um, from the start, and he's supported heavily. And obviously, to see what happened at the weekend, I suppose um, you know it it shows us. You know, he really is a very exciting young stallion to have the, the best colt and and the best uh, filly two year old in Europe. Um, uh, Aidan was just blown away by um, the horse. Uh, in Newmarket. He was just unbelievably impressive, you know, and he's got a very good filly, probably arguably he had the best two-year-old filly down here in learning to fly, so he's a stallion, not only doing it, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, he's doing it in the South as well, and it's very
0: exciting. I mean, sometimes matching these European pedigrees with North American stallions works, other times it doesn't work. This looks to have, have really worked. If you were to put your finger on what it is that's that's making it happen, even though it's early days, what would you say?
4: I'd say the Scott daddy factor um, was huge. Obviously, we lost Scott daddy uh, very early. But again, dad just had a massive uh, association and a big thing for Scott daddy. Um, he was looking like being a really, really serious sire uh, that was taken too early. And I suppose dad always was out there to try and find uh, the best son of him.
0: So and it's that line as well, isn't it, that goes back through through Johannesburg? Your your Breeders' Cup winner on the dirt, having done so much on turf, that versatility of surface and that temperament.
4: Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I suppose it looks like you know his his first crop was good, but it 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 seems apparent that his second crop uh, was a lot stronger than the first. So if the trend keeps going, the future is very exciting for Justify.
0: And how is he viewed by the Aussies? What do they think?
4: Uh, he's had a he's had a really good time down here. Uh, he's about to be uh, crowned champion first season sire because uh, our racing season ends here at the end of the month, and you know he's romped home uh, in a distance uh, for champion first season sire. As I said, he's got learning to fly. He's got a lot of good horses down here, so the Aussies really like him. He's got a full book, uh, a very exciting book which we we just bought. Uh, a mare on there by exceeding Excel for uh, 1.25 um, million Aussie. She's going to go to him. So I suppose you know when you have Wooten Bassett uh, and Justify uh, in the barn, it just it gives you confidence to go out and buy those mares. Uh,
0: do you think there has ever been a more valuable? Stallion shuttled between America and Australia as the as the uh, cargo that's just taken place.
4: Well, I'd say um, we can tell you it was a long flight. Uh, <laughs> we were watching the radars there for a long time, but you know it's there hasn't been. Uh, it's, it's hard to get a horse that can do it in the north and a horse that can do it in the south. You know, you, horses like Dane Hill could do it, but but this guy really looks like. Um, he's about to do something special and you know it's just I'm delighted for for Derek and Michael Tabor and everybody that you know they they got behind the horse with dad and it it really looks like it's happening and we were in Ballydoyle last week and Aidan just said see that fella there he said watch him closely he's going to be impressive and it was you know it was uh, the horse that won in Newmarket and just it's so exciting you know
0: Tom Magna there on Justify and no doubt a sleepless night watching the radar as precious cargo made its way from Lexington, Kentucky to the Hunter Valley in New South Wales in Australia. Returning to America now, I am a fairly regular uh, guest on steve bick's show steve is the best known uh, horse racing radio presenter in the united states three hours every morning um makes me look extremely lazy to be honest sirius xm also available as a podcast called at the races don't be confused uh, by the same name as the uh, website and former tv station here steve bick at the races every morning uh, with all you need to know and i'm very pleased to to be returning the favor or that steve is returning the favor from saratoga our coverage of course in the united states uh powered uh, the next few weeks by by Qatar racing expanding their own presence throughout the country steve
5: i i'm a- thoroughly delighted and uh just tickled to be asked
0: uh, how how has uh, has everybody been getting on at Saratoga so far?
5: There's been some high quality performances already. Keeping an eye on two year olds and had the first grade one of the year. Chad Brown, uh, not surprisingly, uh, strong in there, running one two. Uh, the, the other Chad Brown, a longer price, uh, but. Uh, it's you know a typical Saratoga start, uh, kind of easing into it. Really,
0: you mentioned the other Chad won the the Grade One at the weekend, the Diana White Beam, who Europeans will remember for for running for Roger and Harry Charlton, uh, beat his much more established filly in Italian. Uh, do you think that is a reasonable reflection of the relative merits of those two horses or not?
5: white beam was very good here and and she really outgamed in italian you know late it it didn't look like uh, she was going to get by uh but you know you add flavian pratt to any of to any mount and uh, there's a little something extra to be had with him uh i know it's trite but uh he he gets a little extra and uh i used her prominently i thought she had every chance to to win. I had her on all tickets, White Beam, and uh, we, were, we were rewarded pretty well.
0: Steve, while I got here, I, I wanted to talk about Golden Gate Fields, uh, whose closure at the end of the year was announced earlier in the week by First Racing, the Stronach Group. Uh, the idea being that much of that horse population would meld with the existing horse population at Santa Anita in Southern California, and they would then be able to race four days a week rather than three days a week at present. Um, what do you sort of feel about whether that is likely to work and how do you feel about the closure of yet another celebrated American racetrack and the last remaining major racetrack in in San Francisco after Bay Meadows?
5: Uh, Way too early to tell uh, what the fallout is. The one thing that everybody can agree on is that it's tragic that uh, in a marketplace like San Francisco, like the Bay Area, where racing has been conducted for 100 years, uh, that there will not be an active track right in uh, San Francisco, right in the environs.
0: Just looking at the tracks that have closed in North America in the last few years, um, Calder, then subsequently called Gulfstream Park West, but Calder, you and I know it best as, uh, Hollywood Park, uh, Arlington Park, all of those under the or auspices of Churchill Downs, of course. Um, Suffolk Downs, a hugely popular local track in, in Massachusetts. That went west. Hollywood Park, perhaps the most famous of all of them, um, is uh, is now a football stadium. Uh, Arlington has probably had the, the most publicity of, of late, um, racing in Chicago completely decimated. Um, I, when you reflect on all those great venues now no longer with us, um are you able to look at the future of horse racing in America with with much optimism, or not?
5: I don't necessarily equate the future of racing uh, here uh, as reflected through the loss of of those venues. It, it, there, there's there's some very reasonable and easily understandable economics. Involved in in the real estate, uh, knowing that a lot of those racetracks were positioned uh, in, in geographically uh, mid-century or, or before mid-century uh, when they were on the outskirts of, of cities and the natural you know growth of of the municipalities raised the value of the property above. The value of the property as a racing venue. So some of this, some of this is, is you know, ambient uh, economic circumstance. The the bigger concern to me of losing race tracks is twofold. One, when you when you lose a, a community and a, a city like a San Francisco. Or if you go to the East Coast, when you lose Boston, Metropolitan Boston, and fold in Rhode Island, because, of course, you had very viable racetracks for years uh, in Rhode Island uh, as well. Also, New Hampshire, Rockingham Park. uh, You had Lincoln Fields and Narragansett in Rhode Island. And then you had the Massachusetts Fair Circuit. When you lose entire swaths of, of... of the country and major population centers as a place for people to witness and experience racing uh, and get introduced to racing that's a problem because we we certainly can't count on uh, people you know wandering into television coverage of racing and being you know, mesmerized or, or, you know, being charmed. Uh, You get charmed by going to a a venue, seeing the animals, seeing the competition, betting on uh, the races and enjoying the sociability of the racetrack. Uh, So I'm, I'm much more concerned about losing... Boston's and San Francisco's, and I mean, Chicago will still have Hawthorne. But that to me is a problem. And then it's twofold. I also think you've got a problem when you lose a circuit, meaning a a, a place for racetrack, you know, to go racetrack to racetrack. I mean, California is already suffering for years. The loss of Hollywood Park, and in, uh, by staying at Santa Anita from December to June, the product gets stale, and uh, the betting product gets stale. The horsemen and the jocks uh, get, you know, get exhausted by staying in one venue. There's a lot to be said about the European model that you enjoy. Where it's a couple of days here, a day here, you know the the, the different racetracks all take turns. It keeps things fresh and interesting. Uh, we're running into a problem where we're going to be staying at one venue for way too long to keep the public interested and the product exciting. So there's there's some problems, but there's also people, Nick, that say we're much better off having high quality product at Saratoga and Belmont and uh santa anita and uh keeneland churchill uh gulfstream in the winter etc oak lawn in the winter uh you know less racing of a higher quality I, i don't necessarily go along with that but uh what choice do we have at this point
0: all right it is tuesday so let's go around the world with our friends at weatherby's uh, their excellent global stallion app and the stallion book. And I'm very pleased to welcome this week Belinda Stradwick from Ballygallon Stud in County Kilkenny, which has been in the Stradwick family since 1986. And perhaps whose most celebrated poster boys were those full brother stayers, Double Trigger and Double Eclipse. But much has happened since then. And it is perhaps one of the, the great examples of how to operate and manage a medium-sized farm with sustainability and success, um, Belinda. I hope I've uh, I hope I've introduced you the way you'd like to be introduced. Tell me if I haven't.
6: No, uh, that sounds perfectly. I'm so glad, actually, that you just mentioned the uh, the two stay uh, the brothers, Double Trigger and Double Eclipse, because I think they rather got overlooked in the early days, having been bred under a company called Dean Investments. And Ballygallan probably didn't get the credit for breeding them. Uh, And in actual fact, he prompted me to look through Double Trigger's results. And of course, he was the most incredible horse. Um, as was his brother. Um, but Roy, my husband, bought the farm in 1986. It, it was bought from the Marshall family, who were mainly cattle farmers. There, there was a huge amount of development uh, that went on to turn it into a stud farm and what it is today. Um, Roy set about buying uh some brood mares. He bought some well, some worked for him and some didn't. Um, and I came in a few years later. We then set about buying more brood mares uh, across. We bought in the UK, uh, America, France, and Ireland. And pretty much we're still working with a lot of the families that we invested in. We bought into some very nice families.
0: So, Melinda, what have been the key highlights so far for for you as a team?
6: Uh, After the two stayers, we then had Beckett, um, who went to sales. He went to Newmarket. He sold very well, and he was a Group 1 winner. Um, We've had Aragorn, uh, who was a multiple Group 1 winner, and we had a lot of fun uh, racing in America. Prior to that, we've had Indian Lodge. He went to top level and did very well for us. Um, notably, along the way, we've had Spirit Quartz, who was second in the Nunthorpe, um, a Group 2 winner, Caspian Prince, um, Tower Bridge. Uh, one absolute superstar is Irish Correspondent, who went to Hong Kong, was renamed as Exultant
0: how would you say you do it, Belinda? What are your gui- what are your guiding principles? Because you're you're clearly you're somebody with a a, a great background in in equestria in equestrianism in general, kind of horse horsemanship.
6: Yeah, so I started riding at a very young age. Um, it, it was something I mean, my, my mother said uh, from the age of about three, all I wanted to do was ride horses, um, and I had a very good grounding. Um, a wonderful lady called Liz Pickard who taught me to ride, taught me a lot of horsemanship along with Colonel Hurrell who owned the stables uh, where I w- rode um, who was just an amazing um, horseman and I learned so much in the early days from them. Um, my background was I started showing, uh, hunting and then did quite a lot of eventing at at a fairly high level. And from them, it's a discipline that I will forever be grateful for Liz Pickard to install in. She was a great taskmaster, a very tough lady, um, and demanded complete devotion to what we were doing. Um, And I think I learned so much without realising at the time on confirmation, um, feeding, all, all the essentials, all the horsemanship that I now understand today, um, which I learned from from those people at, at an early stage. We pay a lot of attention to detail here. As you know, we're a small farm, uh, small numbers. We concentrate on quality. I've got a very good team of staff here. Uh, headed by James Byrne, who's my manager, and they—they're without them, I couldn't do what I do. I mean, they are brilliant, working with these horses day in and day out. Uh, Alexandra, my daughter's here. She's got a huge interest in the breeding side. She's very knowledgeable on racing, um, and she helps me tremendously.
0: And Melinda you obviously love the racing side of it and you talked about your happy experiences in California and, and seeing your your colors come past the post first what about that balance between the racing side of it and the commercial breeding side of it and how that's going to develop
6: we're sort of not unhappy to keep some uh and put in training ourselves I still have quite a few in training but uh I think we will have to be more commercial. Um, sadly, Roy was diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, a few years ago, and so I'm very much running the farm by myself, which is a huge responsibility, but um, its I've been here for so many years, and it's, it's a way of life, and, and I have a huge passion for racing and producing racehorses uh, very much from the breeding side, um so try and keep things going but i think so. certainly from here on we will have to be a little bit more commercial
0: and clearly um belinda you 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 talked about your your husband roy there and and what you've been through um how, to what extent does does involvement with with horses with animals on a day-to-day basis to what extent does that keep keep you driving forward because it must have been an incredibly difficult time
6: yeah it was very difficult um but uh, this was a huge part of Roy's and my life together, and um, it, it, it was a place that grounded certainly him. He was uh, a property specialist, and over the years, uh, he bought and sold many properties. Um, I'm talking now about houses, and he he never really had any property uh, that he called home except for Ballygallan. And so this was really the place where um, I think he was always happiest. Uh, we spent so as much time, he was a bit restricted on how much time he could spend here, um, you know, for residences and things. But this was home and it, it was very much, uh, it, it was an important part of both of our lives. and particularly when Aragorn came along um, he said and we had a few trips to California and he said you know what this has been the best time of my life and actually it, it was such a fun time for both of us but I could see it gave him so much fulfillment this horse um, so for me th- to try and keep this going and Roy always said you know what since you arrived at Ballygalon, and we we did develop the farm a lot further um, and he said, "You have really put your imprint on this farm, and he said it is so important that you try to keep this going because he said Ballygalon really is you it 's not me anymore. People used to associate Ballygalon uh, with Roy Stradwick, but he said it 's actually now Ballygallon Belinda Stradwick." So he was very keen for me to try and keep it going. But as I'm sure you, you know, you and all the listeners will appreciate, places like this, it's like a bottomless pit, they absorb money. So you do have to know that uh, for me, I've got to have stock that I know we can do a job with. I'm, um, we have such a good team of staff here who do a tremendous job rearing these horses. I know that we can produce good racehorses. It just needs to keep on happening for us.
0: All right. Thanks to Belinda. Thanks to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me. Jane, uh, we talked quite a bit about stallions in this, this episode. Uh, Galileo is is edging his way, the late, great Galileo, to a, a, a quite a notable milestone.
1: Yeah, it's it's slowly but surely, and and I wonder will he get to the one hundred? He's currently after siring ninety seven individual Group One winners, and save the last dance, Warm Heart, both daughters of Galileo, and uh, they look like they're both capable of winning Group Ones. Of course, if one of them does win the Oaks, it will just bring him to ninety eight. Um, but it's 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 a race against time essentially because he doesn't have the the troops coming through anymore. But those two fillies look like they may well. Uh, take him all the closer to that he's already out in his own in terms of a record but wouldn't it be lovely for him to get to 100 to so that would be a sidebar and something a little bit um, a little bit historic if that were to happen at the current.
0: Excellent, at the moment it's Rafe versus the lads, go Rafe
1: And the lads also hopefully being Jessica Harrington, Dermot Weld and Joseph O'Brien
0: Yeah, you know what I mean
1: I know exactly what you make.
0: All right. Uh, Jane, thanks so much for your time. Have you got a tip for me?
1: Yes. If uh, nobody has ever been to Killarney, this is the place in Ireland, or the track in Ireland you have to visit. And uh, this evening, the two mile, one furlong handicap is a competitive looking race. That's the race where I fancy morph speed for Connor Walsh and Joseph O'Brien. Um, I think the race is going off at seven. 50. Morph Speed is number two in the 750 down at Killarney, the most picturesque track in Ireland.
0: Jane, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, July the 18th. If you do enjoy this podcast, please, please tell your friends. That's the most important thing. If you've got a minute or two, leave us a rating and a review. Wherever you consume your pods, we will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye-bye.